Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I am speaking with Jim McMurtry. Uh, Jim was a teacher that was fired. Jim lives out in British Columbia, Canada, and he was fired basically for going against one of the new woke orthodoxies. In this case, it was he was disputing the official party line on residential schools in Canada. So I asked Jim to come on. We could talk about his story and what's going on in schools, at least in British Columbia. Hey, Jim, thank you very much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'd mentioned, like, like I said, like you got fired for disputing some of the claims of, of like all this stuff about the um, residential schools, the, you know, the, the mass graves, the unmarked graves um, and, and just generally the residential schools and, you know, like, the official line behind it. Um, so if you wouldn't mind getting a bit into that and like how that led up and you know what happened to you, and then we can go from there. Well, I think the good place to start is that on October 27th of last year, every single member of parliament who was in our government um, building voted to call on a motion put forward by an MDP member named Leah Gazin voted on a motion to declare Canada's residential school systems as, as a genocide. So we're, we have joined others as a genocidal state. And the difficulty for me as a history teacher and someone who knows a lot about our educational history in particular, I did a PhD in the University of Toronto in the area and I've had many publications since, is there was no genocide. There wasn't anything close to a genocide and the intent was to educate. And I think in overall, the, the residential school system did a pretty good job. Now, just saying that would get me fired. And I was fired a month ago for questioning, not that, but questioning. the. There was a, a story that went around the world today that that and people, particularly in the U.S., would know because it was in the New York Times and Washington Post and so forth. And that was there were 215 child remains found in, 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 on a, in an apple orchard in Kamloops. And uh, so, anyhow, it really presented Christian teachers at the school badly. Not not many teachers murder that many of their students, if any. And uh, what upsetting to me was it was apocryphal. And I and I would be as outraged as the next person any uh, hearing about any criminal activity toward children. But this was there were no graves. There was nothing found. This the story was. Um, Anyway, from in, in every way of fiction, and yet it went around the world, and there were a lot of churches that were burned as a result, and Canadian flags were at half mast around the world for almost half a year. Yeah, I remember that. And okay, so the residential schools, like I, so I worked in Inuit communities, so you know I'd spoken to people up there. I lived in Inuit communities for five years, so you know I spoke to some of the people up there. And I'm not, if you want to take it a look as yes, they want, and, and like. I'm not saying they're a genocide. I don't even go as far as, you know, someone like Terry Glavin, someone any someone I respect who, you know, called it a cultural genocide. I don't even really go as far as that, but you know, when the stated goal was to kill the Indian in the child, you know, there is an issue there. Like, you know, we we have to take all that into account. Like I I'm like I said I I'm not saying that, you know, yes, they didn't find any bodies, you know, like all that like the the, the flags at half mast, the whole thing was, you know, Trudeau putting a teddy bear on a grave, you know, and, and then when the first nation said, well, we don't do that. That's kind of disrespectful. I mean, that, you know, that 
or, or going surfing in Tofino. Um, but anyways, like all that was, you know, just window dressing. And like this for me is, you know, a really good example of why I don't like, call it, well, call it progressive, call it whatever you want, you know, like this, this new way of, you know, like fun, like this is, you know, founded in post-colonial theory, right? So this comes from more from post-colonialism than CRT or anything like that. Um, I just don't like the, that worldview of it. And it stops having, it derails a conversation. So you're talking about something else and you can't have a, a progressive, like a, an actual progressive, you know, honest conversation about this topic because it's not all good or all bad. It's not, you know, everyone who did it was purely evil. I mean, are you going to talk about the first nations that actually started running some of the schools in the seventies? Are you going to talk about, you know, the longest running one was run by first nations. I mean, are you going to talk about only 40 some odd percent of this, the kids went not every single. So like, that's where I am at with the, with the residential schools. I think, you know, helping first nations and Inuit to assimilate great, you know, educating people. I saw like the education system up North um, and people who had homes you know, people who came up there on a contractor who decided to move up there for whatever reason, once they had kids and their kids got to about second grade, if they had an option, they'd move back because they saw how bad the schools were. And so, you know, there is, and when I say bad, I'm not talking about abuse or anything like that. Like, you know, one of my friends up there, his daughter, by the time she got to second grade, she was about to start, she'd already had eight teachers. You know, it's, it's not conducive to good education. So anyway, sorry, I, I just rambled a bit there. So it's it's like there's my take on this. But so what was being taught in the schools? Like what were they saying in the schools about the residential schools or the day of you know, is it the day of reconciliation or what's what's that called now? Uh. Yeah, well we have several. There's one end of September that they um, and it's for truth and reconciliation. But it really is all comes from this one incident. So my story is 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 entwined in that. So I just say to you, I was teaching one day, a senior calculus class. The principal said to all the teachers of the school, stop what you're doing. And we had to emote about the news. About 250 bodies were found in a mass grave. The word mass was used. The suggestion very clearly was murder. I had a student in the classroom when I did this. It was unscripted. And again, you know, not something that I, that fits in ordinarily with calculus 12. I, I did it because the principal asked, and, and that was the case all across Canada. They, uh, there was a, certainly a strong tendency. I think Christianity is being replaced in our schools by a new religion, which we can call wokeness or wokeism. But you know, the rituals are just as heavy. And part of what one does is create these sort of Orwellian two minutes of hate toward those that were responsible for poorly treating Indigenous people in the past, and that's the narrative about the residential schools. And I'm sure some some kids in those schools had bad experiences, but many didn't. And I think the Dalai Lama said it best, calling truth being a crystal, which has many sides or facets, and each one of those sides or facets um, um, represents uh, together um, represents the whole truth. And I think there's ways of looking at it. So what happened when a kid that day, which was May 31st of two years ago, and I haven't taught since, I was run out of my out of my classroom, my school and career on the basis of saying this one thing. And, and I think you're going to agree with me when you hear what I've said, because it's factual. It's right out of the Truth and Reconciliation Report, the big government 
Kane government report to that was done to look into um, reports of abuse and so forth at, at uh, these schools. And a child had said that, um, and, and very indignant. And many of the kids were, I, I were worried. Were so some were tearful, some were were I worried about their emotional state. And I didn't think it was right for the school to exercise children in this way to to fill them such a dark thoughts. And and I didn't particularly, and in this case, it was, you know, schools, elementary schools for kids who were as young as five and six were being told about 215 children. And there were stories about how they were tortured, how they were hanged and put in incinerators and on and on and on. And all I said when a student started going down that path um, and saying that, you know, the priests murdered 215 children and tens of thousands of others, because that's certainly been out there. Um, and uh, tortured them, some by holding them out in the snow until they were dead. All I said, Obey, was what is factually true, and that is that in residential schools generally, those that died tragically while enrolled did so from disease, mostly from tuberculosis. And I and I was half an hour later. I had two vice principals, male vice principals, come into my classroom. And frog marched me out of the school. You said something that was true. Like I don't have anything against them making an announcement about this or whatever. I don't know the way it was done. Um, I remember, like I was in the fourth grade when the uh, uh, Iranian Revolution happened in '79, um, and our teacher brought in the TV and we saw like news conferences about the hostages and all this stuff. And you know, we were um, there's ways of doing it. The teachers themselves should not be held. A, you shouldn't be responsible for the mental state of your students. Like you're not counselors. You're not, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there's some aspect of that when you go through like, you know, teacher education or whatever. Like, I, I, I don't know what, you know, like when you go through like the, the colleges of education, or whatever, there's some aspect of that, but you know, that's not what you're there for. So to put the onus on the teachers to look after the mental health, the kids and stuff like that. So, you know, this guy, you know, you trying to tell the kid, like, you explaining the truth to a child, and if that causes the child distress, school should look to get the child help because they're going to have to learn to deal with the truth. Well, I think that's an essential point because you mentioned the word postmodernism. So in the 60s and 70s, and there were philosophers, some French like Foucault, and, and others who created this idea that we need to look at all our institutions and 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 see things that we didn't see before because there's unequal outcomes in society and why that is and i think that's a useful academic exercise to look deeply at things but i think it's also very troubling if we're going to be looking at residential schools and we're going to be telling kids one day again as as young as kindergarten that all these kids were 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 murdered and and tortured um and think that 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 is what you do in a school, I'm not sure what you do that. In, in my province of British Columbia, there's a senior course called Genocide Studies. So there's there's a movement afoot in our society to really, like you mentioned also George Floyd, when there's an opportunity for um, the, the people of, that, of this ideological inclination, when there's an opportunity to 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 disgrace society, particularly white European society, um, and 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 many of its important actors, such as police officers, 
obviously everyone knows that they go to town with this. And that's what was happening that day. And what's upsetting to me is, first of all, I have Indigenous friends. I would just as much as anybody else like to see Indigenous communities have clean water and employment opportunities and less suicide and drug and alcohol addiction and on and on and on. This doesn't help the falsification of history. All I tried to do, and again, I think I'm well um, positioned to do it because I'm a senior history teacher. I have four degrees, more degrees than a thermometer. I said something that on a subject that I knew more than anybody else in the building. And it was right out of a a government report, again, that was universally received, certainly by, by all Indigenous communities across Canada. There was, it was disease. There's no evidence of murder in any residential school. And to this day, there isn't. And, and uh, where this, they talked about these 215 or the mass grave of 215 children, they haven't even bothered to dig. There's no police investigation. There's a closed report. Everyone knows it's not true. And, but it's cost me my job. All I was trying to do obeyed quite apart from all the other things that I think are wrong with our system, which is the broadly writ, the manipulation of young children. It's like this new woke religion is trying to get converts. And who do you go after? Not people like me and you who are smart and and, and tough and older. And we're going to go, forget that. I don't want to be part of that. They're going after children. That's what the Nazis did. And and so I'm... I'm I know it's a, it's a, apologize for the analogy, but the first thing that one does is they try and go after children to, oh, yeah. to dupe them, to, to give them, to get them to buy into this ideology. And I think if you're going to have a discussion about something as important as, as 215 children being murdered at one school near to the school where I was working at, I think out of fairness to the dead Christian teachers and to Christian churches generally who ran the schools, and 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 to me and my ancestors, I had four. I have four ancestors who were missionaries in Canada, who taught um, in similar schools. So the idea that that you know that, that we have this terrible um, example of bearing false witness, which is the ninth commandment, um, against people without a, a whit of evidence uh, and a, um, a, a, an iota of evidence is troubling to me. So that's to my story. My story is is what we got to do in schools is we've got to go back to what we did before, which is to have open discussion and debate and inquiry and let kids come to their own decisions. I'm not a radical. I'm not somebody who's saying down with residential schools or up with residential schools. I'm just simply someone who wants kids to understand things deeply. Okay. So going on this, because like I said, I'd like like to talk about education in Canada because you know, I see the stuff that's being put out. Um, there's quite a few people, you know, that put out things um, of curriculum and whatever that's going on. Uh, and I'm looking at this, and I've kind of done a quick look, and maybe you can correct me on some of these dates. But from as far as I can tell, in Canada, around 2013 or so, roughly, was when you started getting some of this oppression, you know, like CRT based, if it was on race, you know, gender theory based, if it was on like sex and gender, like these curriculums coming into middle schools around 2013. And that was in, you know, British Columbia, that was in Ontario. And I believe some of it might've been in the Maritimes that I could be wrong, but I think Ontario and British Columbia were the two first ones in Canada to really go that way. Um, 
and then it started slowly building and now you've got it quebec's not so much on the race stuff but they're getting the gender stuff the maritimes is going full full board with all the race and gender um you know i think alberta's a bit of a holdout but i still see some troubling things out of there so what's going on in the schools like my thing is like okay i read about things that happen in the states like the you know where they're splitting kids up into affinity groups and then the kids start getting more racist um so like what kind of stuff is going on in the classrooms sorry i'll just ramble a little bit longer i used an example of huck finn and i said you know you can have a parent's concerned about the curriculum that their child is going to have and they look at the english curriculum and yeah we're reading huck finn this year Okay. Oh, Huck Finn, good book. Blah blah. American classic. Um, now, if you had a really woke teacher, you could take Huck Finn, and you know I've used this example a lot because it's easy for me to do. And it's just like you could say, okay, well, the way Huck learns from Jim, he's exploiting Jim's emotional labor. When he sets him free, he's being a white savior, but he still hasn't given up his privilege and he's going to go back and live his life, a life of privilege. Like you can totally corrupt the message of a book like Huck Finn if you teach it in a woke manner. So I, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, are they sneaking it into all subjects? Like, is it okay? Now we're going to have, you know, like before is like math, English, chemistry, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, okay, now it's our social justice class or whatever. Like, like, how's that being done? It's uh, first of all, I love listening to you, Beatus. You know, I'm a fan of yours for a few years now. I, uh, it's you know, the same, it's all over. I, I think Huck Finn is, uh, isn't the best example though, because it's not allowed in schools. Okay, and that's well, you know, there you, there you, there, there you go. You've got the, the book that, um, you know, that's for an older generation would probably be the best loved of the present generation or generations in existence in the United States. They did a a survey and the book that's best loved is to kill a mockingbird that also isn't in a lot of schools because it has been taken out because of one word and so people talk about you know losing throwing the baby with the bathwater. they're throwing out good literature and they're replacing it with just um anyhow i won't even go down that path i just like to speak in generalities at this point unless you have something specific i spoke to a mother in abbotsford and I was delighted to hear from him because I went on after I was fired. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and uh, was, my son suggested me I go on Twitter and see if I could, uh, you know, fight for what's left of my reputation. And um, and it's been wonderful because I've got a lot of followers. And one mother um, in Abbotsford reached out to me and said that her daughter has a friend group. And among that friend group, all female, because her daughter I presume to be early teen. All her friends are female, which is normal. Four of them are transitioning to male. Now, if anyone makes the argument that this is normal, I would say, well, you know, that's not true. Because when I was teaching 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago, that's how old I am, that the, um, there wasn't kids, there weren't children, teenagers transitioning. Now you've got pre-adolescents transitioning. And in great numbers, so there is a there's very much a, a movement afoot. And again, to me, it's the, the 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 woke cult where they're looking for, they're proselytizing, they're trying to get kids to to see the whole world through one one prism or one one lens, and they're to see racism everywhere, to to see um, things wrong 
wrong with even being heterosexual or the nuclear family or or capitalism or Christianity, just whatever it was, or going after absolutely ever every pillar of our society. And I have nothing wrong with social criticism, but it's but it's teaching children to 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 reject the values that are that are basic to the, what their parents are teaching them. So I think it's a terrible thing. No, okay, look, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but a couple of things like, you know, the Nazi thing, and I've used the quote from Hitler as well. There's a quote from, there's like, I think it's out of Mein Kampf where he says, you know, if my enemy says I'm not your camp, I look at him and say, you know, who are you? You don't matter because I have your children. And then, you know, it's, but, but I mean, you can take that back to Aristotle. It's like, you know, give me the child until seven and I'll give you the man. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a new concept. Everyone's it's, right. you know, get them while they're young. Like I've been calling you know, the K through 12, when, if they're going down this woke curriculum, I've been calling them woke madrasas. So that's, that's exactly what they are, like a religious school. It's, it's just, I mean, I see a lot of religion in this stuff. Like I can compare it to Islam. I mean, there's, you know, the whole idea of whiteness and things like that. Like you have like the total depravity that comes from Calvinism. You've got, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of Protestantism in there. There's, there's a lot of stuff that they're taking and, I mean, I've got my ideas of why a lot of atheists, like, I mean, I look at some atheists, like, um, you know, larger, well-known ones, um, someone like, um, what's his name? Uh, God, I can't remember his Richard name now. Dawkins, Richard no, 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 Dawkins. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Dawkins or anything Hitchens. like that. No, no, no. I'm not oh. talking about any of those. I'm talking about, like, okay, someone like Seth Andrews, and there's another one. Uh, why can't I remember? His, uh, no, Dillahunty. No, not, okay. These oh, are, sorry. okay, Dillahunty and Seth Andrews, they're not quite as big as Dawkins. Like, Dawkins and... Harris, whatever the four horsemen. I'm talking about those because they're not woke. But Dillahunty, I start calling him a woke evangelical because he used to be a Baptist preacher. You know, I mean, when Dawkins got his uh, awards retracted from the American Humanist Society, you know, he's calling him, oh my God, what does Dawkins know about biology? Like, I mean, he was basically saying, what does Dawkins know about biology when it comes to trans? And Dawkins is talking about male and female. And like I said, the guy was a former Baptist preacher. Like, okay, you know, fine. Like you have no, you know, you're questioning someone's science credentials. I'm not saying take argument from authority, but say that Dawkins doesn't know anything about, you know, the biology of sex because he's an evolutionary biologist and, doesn't, you know, like, I mean, come on, it, it, it's ridiculous. But like, so, sorry. So, I mean, like what, with the schools, the way I looked at it, and like I said, this is a very religious aspect. I look at it. So before, like trans didn't really start becoming a big thing in schools until the last few years. I know it was slowly creeping in, like don't you know, like, but it just went full on the last few years. But the race stuff had been there quite a while. And the way I looked at it was you're telling all these white kids, especially like there was that push on white women, like from the, uh, like from the, you know, the, the, the black feminists and all that, like, you know, white, white feminists are, they're evil, blah, 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 white women's tears, all that kind of garbage. Right. So you've got these girls, these young girls, and they're being told from the start that they're oppressed and that it's their original sin. They, they, there's nothing they can do about it. You know, they're, they're not the elect, right. They're, 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 they're Esau's. They're not Jacob's or, or, or whatever. Like, I mean, like, you know, like, um, unless I got those names reversed. Uh, but anyways, so these, these kids are told that, and then this trans thing comes around. If you're trans, you've always been trans, or always been non-binary, or always been gender fluid, or whatever. You would then have always been oppressed, so you're no longer an oppressor. So there's your punishment, there's your original sin, and this is your salvation. 
and it's for little kids it like it to, okay i'm not saying this is the only reason or whatever but for me to little kids you know or adolescents and when you're coming of age and this it, it it's a way out and it's a way to like well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way it's a way of that's absolutely right because they're searching for an identity and and here's one being presented to them and it's being done by earnest teachers and by whole programs and and i and I think in some ways it's a it's a way for young people to reject their elders. Their you know, and and anyhow, there's there's certainly lots of different ways of looking at it. But if I could just come back to me as an educator, yeah, sure. the, uh, yes, there was were concern about as you were saying very wisely that you know the racism stuff's been around for a while, the trans stuff's a little newer, the gender ideology, the pronouns are quite new. Anyhow, there's lots of different ways that of of the, the different strands of this. But for me, the, the part that's most upsetting, and of course, there's more books being banned ever before. The, the upsetting thing is the people who are bringing this in, they're using the ruse because they're just completely deceitful. There's not an intelligent, a single intelligent thing a woke person has ever said or written in my view because, because, it's, because it's a complete falsehood. They're saying that things cause harm that don't cause harm. That's, that's what postmodernism is. We've got institutions that are that are harming people in all sorts of ways, as example as shown by the unequal outcomes in society. But the word harm isn't fair in this. In schooling, the word harm isn't fair. White kids don't cause harm to other kids. Um, books don't cause harm. And and but they played on this idea. If someone's offended, and the same with religion, then somebody is harmed, which again, in my view, is not true. So they've come into the schools with all this stuff, you know, the, again, and the different strands of it. And what they're doing is something that is as antithetical to education. And again, I'm, I'm, I can only speak with authority in the area of education. And that is they're, they're, they're taking subjects off the table. They're closing inquiry. They're falsifying what we're telling kids things that aren't true, that there aren't boys and girls, that they're, you know, they're, we're getting to the point where, and you asked earlier about what subjects in, it's in every subject. And my school land acknowledgements were daily and it was very much a religious exercise. It was, it was daily prayer where you're not just having, you know, a God, an elect, um, the, the, you know, the righteous, the, the uh, virtue signaling leader, people like Trudeau, who kneels on a cemetery that was a Catholic cemetery and not at all, you know, anyhow, the whole thing was, was, is just theater. Not surprising because Trudeau was a theater teacher. Um, but it was so crazy for me is that, that the, 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 what you do in a school is you educate kids, you develop them, you, you make them better at how to write an essay or how to make a budget or how to do long division or speak French, whatever the goal is, that's what you do. You try and make them better and, and better prepared for all the challenges they're going to meet. This is completely different. This is indoctrinating them into something that has no value. The amount of hours that are spent with young kids, not only in teaching them words like masturbation and cunnilingus, but teaching them the different colors on the pride flag and the different pronouns, things that, that that's not even knowledge. Because a month from now, the pride flag will change again and there'll be new representations and the pronouns will change again. So it's teaching the kids, in my, in my view, nonsense in place of things that are going to help them in this world. My, I have three children. They're all lawyers. They didn't have an easy time going through high school or university for all sorts of reasons. They had their own issues, uh, physical and emotional and mental. Um, they had academic challenges. Um, but in the end, 
Um, they were appreciative of the fact that they had parents that pushed them, you know, got them to take their math seriously and their and their reading and their writing and all that sort of stuff. And as a teacher, that's what I want to do for students. Give them the skills that I think are going to help them, not just to become good workers, but to become good parents and neighbors and citizens. And and what we're doing right now, this is all being hijacked by this, this ugly ideology. And it's only being used. I don't think people really believe in it anywhere. It's only being used to justify giving the the the, the awards in society, the rewards, the the better you know, the scholarships, the better programs, the university, the jobs, and so forth, to just the different groups of people, and to keep the people at the top, the elect, your term, the elite, looking as though they're. They're, they're, they're some way magnificent. Look at us. We've look at Trudeau. He's, you know, he's revised, he's rewritten history. He's made history. He's made everything better because he's come into office. And yet all he's done is stained everybody that came before him. I, I, I just think yeah. it's such a self-serving thing. Yeah. I mean, okay. Look, the, with the whole thing with the kids, like I'll get on that again, but the harm thing it's. So again, I, I talk about religion. So, they, I use Islam quite a bit when I could talk about it. Um, there's an idea in Islam called fitna, and fitna is the um, it's corruption in the land. So people who cause fitna cause corruption in the land. So it it goes further than like okay, you have blasphemy and you have heresy and things like that, but fitna is um, so a couple of I guess about seven or eight years ago now, Saudi Arabia made, they said, oh, we're going to tackle uh, uh, we're going to uh, tackle terrorism and they made atheism a terrorist defense. So they started locking up a bunch of atheists and said, oh, look, we caught all these terrorists, right? So being an atheist, yes, that's apostasy and whatever, that's blasphemy. But at the same point, if you kept yourself quiet, you're okay. But once you started talking about it, you talking about it is spreading this corruption in the land or if you're talking about adultery you're spreading corruption in the land and you're infecting other people so that's where that harm thing comes from again it's you know if you look at like like you know fundamentalist christianity if you look at like some of the dominion christians or anything like that or you know like very very hardcore fundamentalist you know sects of judaism any fundamentalist sect you'll find it and unfortunately islam has a lot more fundamentalists than other religions at this moment or or larger percentage of it um and the full-on woke are quite fundamental. And it's, I mean, the, th- the reason I think with the wokes is because it's a new religion. And usually when people join a religion, like I look, I again, look at converts to Islam for, for the first five years, they are like, I'm going to be the most Muslim Muslim there's ever been. You know, like it's just, and it's the same thing with these people. Like I, I have to show my virtue. I'm better than everyone else and blah, 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 blah. And so it's, so it's that it's like, they are, yeah, they're indoctrinating these kids. So you're waking up, you know, if you were in a Muslim country, you'd be doing, I mean, there, there are several prayers, but, you know, you have like the Muslim equivalent of the Lord's Prayer and they'd be doing that. Here they're doing land acknowledgements. It's so the kids don't, again, I look at this from like a lot of different perspectives and it's, so the kids don't even know which questions to ask. Up until the point that Hubble saw that the universe was expanding, we didn't even know to ask how fast is it going? So you want to keep these kids ignorant of anything else. So they only know the questions that, like, so you want to, you want to shrink their, their area of knowledge. So like, you know, the amount of ignorance they have gets bigger and bigger. I mean, again, I go back to the Islam thing just before the golden age ended, Al-Ghazali 
came along and said, we don't need any no, more new maths. We don't need any more new philosophy. What you need is to study for the glory and praise of Islam and Allah. Al-Ghazali was a Sufi, and that's one of the Sufi precepts. It's everything is done for the praise and glory of Allah and Islam. Um, Sufism now is like mysticism and whatever, but back then it was quite, it could be hardcore. Um, so they lost that inquiry. Then the Mongols came in, sacked Baghdad, destroyed all the books, you know, that broke up. And so the Arabs didn't, or the Muslims, because it was, you know, Arabs, North Africans, didn't, once the Mongols left, they didn't even know what questions to ask because that had been stunted in them for about a hundred years before the Mongols came in. So you're doing this to this, these kids. And, you know, by the time they get to university, are they going to know what, what questions to ask? Are they going to like it, it to me? It's not just the fact of like, like you were saying, okay, you're there, you're teaching them these useless facts, but you're not even teaching them how to think about asking the questions. You're not even thinking of them, teaching them how to go about looking into things because, Oh, you know, God made the world in seven days. That's it. I don't have to go beyond that. You know, the earth is 10,000 years old. I don't have to go beyond that. Like it's, you know, like it's, it's that. But it's just exactly what I'm saying. So what they're saying is with my particular example with residential schools, this is residential schools. Mm-hmm. If you question it, then you're an apostate. If you're me, if you're in the system and the punishment is very severe. And um, so what I find striking and a few things that you said, first of all, I want you to know that that I'm very familiar with the film that was done on Ayan Hirsi Ali years ago, and it was called Fitness. So I'm very interested in that term. But I, but just to, to me, with my own um, my own conceptualization of things, I just want to come back to students, and I and I wanted to say that they they're always going to be whether it's religion or parents or community or business, or I have no idea, maybe the local gang. I, there are always going to be people who are going to want to take control of them, of their thoughts and their actions, and, and exploit them. And, 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 and that's normal. That's society. That's human nature. And sadly, I don't know how we ever going to move away from that fully. But what kids need to do, and you're, you're talking about something very important, and that is they need to think for themselves. And one of the dangerous aspects to me of both religion and and generally and 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 certainly of of wokeism is this idea that you that, that one is to is to accept the beliefs of others uncritically as a student or a teacher in a classroom right now if you speak out at all it's not that kids don't have in my view don't have the the ability they have the ability to ask good questions to think critically to see the world in all its different shades because they've in many most cases have good parents and good neighbors and good older brothers and sisters and all sorts of people who have who have you know taught them how to think well the problem is and the sadness for me is schools arrest this development to some extent because they can think for themselves except when they're in a school and in the school they can only think a certain way about in a lot of different ways and a lot of different subjects and so that's really surprising to me because it's just turned everything upside down school like university was supposed to be the one place where there was a marketplace of ideas where you could entertain everything and see things from different ways. I I stand mostly when I look at my own pedagogy on Socrates, who talked about education as the asking of question, questions and the pointing of the way. Now, as a teacher, you know, in, in a classroom right now, you, you don't you, you don't even want to ask questions because because the punishment is so real. Uh, the, the, it's just what one has to do is be a conformist. 
And it's like no different than being in a big company right now. You're not going to get promoted. You're not going to be in the nice office. So you're not going to get any of the night fruits of, of, one, of one's labor unless you mimic, you know, what the people want you to, to say the people above you. And, and mostly, of course, it comes down to making them look good. The thing that's most sad in my case is I'm, and I hope your viewers will appreciate this, is that I taught for over 40 years. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm a well-qualified senior teacher who gave generously. I was always coaching, doing plays and charitable events. I was just always giving time over. But now I don't have, my, my livelihood has been taken away from me. It's been taken away from me for speaking an historical truth. So that there, yes, there are many problems in schools, but what could be more fundamentally wrong, and this relates to what you're saying, than, than denying people to inquire, to think for themselves. And that's what, and that's, I think, what I am here, Lee. I've read all her books. That's what she talked about. She wasn't able to think for herself about, about horrible things, including, you know, um, her own, you know, mutilation, genetic. Um, genetically and and um, genitally, so I, I I just think that's that's it. That's what I represent. Obey to anyone who this you know, if meets me for the only time in, in in his or her life, just being in this interview with you. Here's a teacher who got crushed, the Orwellian you know I, steel boot on my face forever mm. because I dared to tell kids the truth. So it's not who cares if it's about residential schools. It, 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 the reality that schools right now don't allow teachers and students to go into all sorts of areas of inquiry. It's it's as frightening in that way as what we saw in fascist Germany. I think the analogy is an, as apt, that people uh, were made afraid to think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's also, you know, like communist China, Cambodia, any of these places where you don't know who's a spy you don't know who who can speak out you know you could speak to your neighbor say something and then your neighbor turns out to be you know stasi kgb red guard um you know, the list goes on right it's 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 but that's just it. it it's the fear of speaking out because at that point you can't trust anyone and they don't want you to trust anyone they don't want you to be able to speak because if you can speak to people then you can organize you know, it's, it's like, again, these are, you know, I have no issue with using the, the things, but like, I just try to stick with like totalitarian or authoritarian. It's just because I'm looking at all of these things and I'm like, okay, yes, the Nazis did these things, you know, all these places, but it's, they all have the same tactics because there's only one way to go about doing it. It's just the, the focus of their hate or the focus of their ire or, you know, the focus of their disgust is different. And what they're going after is different, but they use the same tactics. And it's just, so it's, you know, like I, for me, it's, I, I guess it's just also laziness and I just couldn't be bothered to get into arguments because once you start bringing in, you know, any of these things, communist, Marxist, uh, Maoist, whatever, like if I call it fundamentalist, you know, like if I call it like Islam, like I compare it to Islam a lot, you're going to get into an argument of whether it is or isn't. So I just say totalitarian. It's just, you know, it's. For me, it's cleaner. It, 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 I'm lazy. It makes my life easier just to you know, <laughs> do it that way. But oh, I get but, what but, you're talking but, but when you say the word totalitarian, what you mean is when there are people at the top of the society who have who are seeking to have total control of you, of everybody underneath, in order to maintain their own privileged position. 
their own benefits. I, I don't see it any different. I don't know why the Liberal Party under Justin Trudeau, the NDP government in British Columbia, would be pushing this stuff. Why would they think it's appropriate to be talking to little kids about about sex and religion and race? Just let them grow up. Let them read nice little child stories and do math and play games at recess. It's it's just I just it's shocking the apathy in Canada and I'm sure elsewhere in the Western world right now. When when these when these fanatics have have seized our schools and and I don't want to just I don't want to just understand it because I I've understood it for a while. I I want to do more than that. I want to fight it. I I'm, I am going to. I gave up my job, obeyed, knowing this is going to happen because they kept on saying, "Oh, I need to take a knee. I need to do this. Apologize." And, and then they they didn't want to take away my job, but they did in the end simply because I insist on telling kids the truth and talking about sensitive issues from more than um, from more than one direction perspective. It's just absolutely outrageous that this is happening. Um, in our schools. So to me, this I'm hoping to some extent people see my case as a call to arms. Hey, I'm going to try to steal, man, why it's going on. Okay, I might not do a good job, but I'll try. But it goes back to like the idea of harm. So a lot of this is safetyism. It's coming back to harm. So it's, you know, you can go back to the, the mid 80s and stuff when you started having like, you know, quote unquote, helicopter parenting and that kind of stuff happening. And then you had all these laws coming in about safety of kids. And now, you know, uh, there's an account called free range kids. And um, then it's also, uh, there's another one. She also runs another one called let grow, let grows her organization. And they talk about mainly in the States, these laws where, you know, mother let or parents let a child walk a few blocks to go play in the park. Child was 11 or 12. Next thing you know, child protective services comes around. It starts investigating the parents because of, endangerment so you have these things coming in but also at the same point oh well we don't want to we don't want kids to be racist we don't want kids to be homophobic we don't so you know i've said it and it was said about me oh kids are growing up so much faster they're learning because i mean there's so much more information so much more access to information and you know i grew up in the 80s you know i I turned 18 in 87 i think so like you know like i uh, I, I, i grew up in that area but like i see it now with computers and everything there's so much access it, but just because they have access to it, it should, doesn't mean that they need it. It's it's like you know you you have you have the ability and you have the need. They don't need that. They need kids need to be kids. But because of the safetyism and everything, we want to protect them from everything. We want to wrap them in you know bubble wrap. So we'll tell them about these things now because oh, kids are growing up so much faster. They can understand this. Like no, they can't. A six year old or five year old can't understand the you know the the gender bread man. Or the, or the or the gender unicorn or whatever. I mean, like it, it's just, but that's what it is. It's the safetyism taken to a much higher degree, and instead of just physical safety and which has gone too far, as far as I'm concerned, it's now the mental safety, and it's uh, again, it's up to the teachers to protect the kids, like the, the like the social emotional learning, which I've spoken to some people who actually started doing SEL. A while back, before it got taken over, and it sounded like a good thing. Then they started noticing what was happening in their field, and they just said, "Screw this! This is wrong." And they spoke out. There's a guy named Jason Littlefield out of Texas um, who talks about that quite a bit. And so it's it's this kind of thing. It's like that's where I think it's coming from. This this safetyism. It's it's just you know we have to keep kids safe. So that's mentally as well as that. But to keep them safe, we have to. It's like giving them 
pre-trigger warnings. Before they even come into the situation, they're going to give them a trigger warning. You have to watch out for this. You have to watch out for that. You have to watch out for that. And I mean, we already, there's already studies coming out that trigger warnings don't work. I mean, you're turning kids into neurotic freaks right now. Sorry, I yeah, rambled. You're also, you're also triggering people by using the word trigger. So there's no end to this this maudlin sense of we're, we're protecting kids by not showing them literature and not, you know, exposing them to, you know, what telling them, you know, the bad things that are happening in the street, whatever it is, there's a great degree. Of it. So safetyism is absolutely pertinent to this. I'm glad you brought that up. And I also like the idea, you know, I just want to come back to my idea. There's so much censorship. So we're reducing people's thought, action, and experience in the one institution in society where it's supposed to be the opposite, where it's to lead them out. The root sense of education is a Greek, it, it comes from the Greek words educare and educere, which is to develop and to lead out. So we're leading inward. But I would say it's 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 worse than that. I think it began maybe as safetyism, and that was the pretense. I think it's the opposite now. I think that what they're doing is is the, op- is the opposite of what's in people's um, safety needs. I think it's good to know about things. I think it's good to read literature. It doesn't harm people. It helps people. In my case, so I was, a, uh, again, I was not just a teacher. I, I ran a club and I, I was coaching a team and I was doing a charitable event. And so when they removed me from the classroom, on the on the on the basis that I said the wrong thing by saying historical truth, and that might have harmed some kids because you can't remove a teacher mid class unless the teacher was in immediate harm. So somehow it was judged an immediate harm to kids by telling them the truth, which is that kids were not murdered at residential schools, and and um, so it, to me it's interesting that they they really don't care. That's it. The insincerity is the same as in all religions back in time. They pretend that they were doing God's work while they were cutting out the hearts of people or burning people at the stake. So I'm not. I've never been convinced in the sincerity of people who are overly moral or um, demonstrative morally. Or, or overly righteous and and um so what and, and and sort of again in that way of, of look at me everybody aren't i this way i think true morality is something that doesn't need to be uh foisted upon people i think it's it's, it's a more of a christ thing where you set a good example and hope that others adopt um some of what of, of what you're doing so just say to me again coming back to my situation so if it was really about safety, then that's the most perverted understanding of safety imagined. All those kids that I was teaching and who liked me will never see me again as will never have me as their teacher. And and they there was there was hurt. There was hurt by I've heard from lots of students um, since I was canned. And they're going, where are you? And why aren't you coming back? And I miss you. And you're my favorite teacher. And all this sort of thing is just gone. There are so many kids who were hurt. Kids don't like to lose their teacher. But nobody in the in the system, nobody up high is concerned about that. Nobody's going, oh my gosh, you know, what about those kids that lost their teacher and and will never now be told the truth? They'll be just told that all Christian teachers at Indian residential schools in Canada were murderers. You know, it, it's just to me, it's just upside down, and I'm going to uh, fight this to the end of my day until I'm fully vindicated because the truth has a funny way of coming out. The people running our school system are deceitful. They're not just proselytizers. They are deceitful. They, they're they not pre- preaching anything that's of any value. Okay. Like, okay. I might give you a little bit of pushback here. This is my take Please on do, it. Do. <laughs> okay. And again, I don't know your school. I don't know, you know, so, but my take on this is like this. The people who are making the curriculums, the people in the colleges of education, the people in the administration, 
I think that's being taken over. That that's pretty much being captured ideologically by the woke and whatever. They're the ones setting the curriculum and stuff like that. Now, again, I, I have more experience or I've got more of an understanding of the US because I've spoken to more people from out there. And um so the individual teachers themselves, they might not file fall in lockstep with this stuff, but the way they were trained, the way they were thinking, this is the right thing to do. So they think they're doing good. Okay. So I, I give them that. So I don't think it's all the teachers. I'm, I'm sure there are some teachers who are, you know, far off the bend and there's some teachers who go overcorrect too much the other way. There's, you know, there's, there's all that. Um, but I think for the most part, the teachers, especially the younger ones who are coming in and maybe some of the older ones that have fear of their job or whatever, they're just going to go along with it, keep their head down and just do it. But some of the things I've like seen from this, uh, the States, there's a guy named Robert Pondicio. I don't know if you follow him or see him. He does a lot of stuff on education in the States. He used to be a teacher. Now he, he does more on the other end of it. And he talks about how, at least in the States, the whole idea of the curriculum is a, a red herring because what's going on in the classroom is a black box. Like you might have the curriculum, like I said, okay, read Huck Finn, but is it going to be taught through that woke lens? Right. So you don't know, like, so the parent can get the curriculum, but you don't know what's going on in the classroom. And that's a black box. So that's my pushback to you. Like, I don't think, like, I was going to ask you that, like, what were your colleagues' reactions? Like, did you speak to any of them? Are there people like, oh, I would have liked to support you, but I couldn't? Or was it all just ostracization? Or like, how did that go? Yeah, well, that's an excellent question. I would say that, uh, um, first of all, my colleagues were quietly very supportive but publicly have no support at all. And, and that I think is, they're very afraid. And I don't look badly upon any colleague. And, and if there's a teacher out there who, who is naturally woke and really believes the best thing to do with young people is to you know, teach them you know, these pronouns and the colors of the pride flag and, and, and not do basic math and, and literature, whatever, then fine. But, you know, but it, my, my problem is when they, is when there are some people don't allow people to be different from them. And I'm, I'm just representing a traditional education. So my problem is never being with colleagues, not that I think there's all sorts of people in the teaching profession. I think most of them, almost all are very well motivated, if not all are well motivated. Um, and I think the, the woke thing is something that's going to come and go because people are going to judge it. As, as nonsensical. When I was a young teacher, they knocked down all the classroom walls obeyed because someone came thought that might be a good idea. And then they realized it was too noisy. And then they threw out all the spellers because someone thought whole language learning was going to be so much better. And that was a mistake. And so the, really, you know, my whole teaching career is people lining up like elephants in a parade for a long time. They were talking about how we need to have no more summer holidays for kids and whatever the idea, they run it up the flagpole and everybody goes, great idea, great idea, until they think about it and realize, no, this isn't a good idea. They're going to do that with all these woke ideas and they're going to be part of the dustbin of history. And I'm hoping sooner rather than later. My yeah. my problem with, with colleagues, at least saying this will end with this one point is, is many of them speak quietly to me and thousands have reached out to me, thousands. And and um, to say that um, I agree with what you're saying, but I can't say it myself because I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. And I think the teaching profession, and I think this relates to you a little bit because I know that you're a strong person and, and you were, you know, you had an upbringing that wasn't always easy and you ended up establishing your own sense of self in this hard world. 
And I think more teachers need to do that, that they need to do what is educationally right. They know this is not educationally right. They shouldn't be having kids called in a classroom, all these bad words like transphobic or racist or misogynist, all these things for simply stating an opinion. I want to ask you something about education again here at Canada. So I look at the stats from the States and, and again, it's so much easier to get stats from the States than it is in Canada. And they fudge the numbers here a bit, but so I think nationally it's something like 75% of kids can't do math at grade level and like 65% can't read. You have places like Baltimore where it's something like 93, 94% of kids can't read and write at grade level. Now you teach, you said you mentioned you teach calculus. You also mentioned you teach history. What's like our kids coming into your calculus class and they're enumerate, like they don't know how to do like, you know, the binomial, you know, the, the quadratic equation, let's just say, right. Okay. And if you ask me to do the quadratic equation right now, yeah, I've forgotten it, but you know, like, <laughs> but I could look it up and I can remember how to do it, but like, like, are they coming in that bad or like, even with the reading level, like, is it like, I'm seeing stuff from colleges in the States now where they have to give, they're giving credit remedial courses. So they're giving people credit for taking remedial courses so they can get caught up and do their bachelor's. But I'm like, you're, so you're taking away a semester of their bachelor's to give them stuff they should have had before they came in. So like, what's that like in Canadian schools or at least in your well, school? I, I don't, I, I think, I think teaching is as good as ever. I think kids are, are just as ambitious as ever, maybe more so because it's a tougher world they're moving into. I think parents are more concerned um, than ever or as concerned as ever because they know how hard it is for the children to get a good job, have a good life and even buy a house. Um, one day. So I, I think there's no nothing wrong with the, the actors in the in, in the system. I think the problem is with the fact that the people at the top, one way of looking good is to have everybody pass. As, as that way, no one's having to make an explanation as to why there are fewer girls in engineering or fewer boys in nursing or fewer people of X, group XYZ in, in you know, getting scholarships. So what they're doing is they're just lifting everybody up. They're just bringing, taking everybody into college and university. They're getting people through high school and in my school. Many of the teachers didn't have grades. I was told not to do essays, not to have tests, that all these things, because I, I could get in trouble. Because the moment I'm giving marks to kids, then someone's going to complain. Or if you're giving marks to give everybody A's. So to me, this is what they're doing. This is the consumer era of education where the schools have lost their backbone, the universities too, because it's happening in universities with this great inflation and everybody, you know, more and more programs for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's part of democracy that everybody gets to ha have a higher education. I'm not being cynical at all. I'm just simply saying what they're doing is they're putting everybody through. And I don't mind that if everybody who's being put through is being given a, a good education. But what's happening is that they've lowered the, the, lowered the bar. And I think kids are going through to university without having read good literature, without having been challenged in math class, without having really even having homework. And the reason that that's happening is because schools are just so right now determined just to say, look, look how good we are. Everybody is getting yeah. A. But but okay, that's what I'm getting at. Okay, so the reasoning behind that also is if you have marks, if you have this, you know, it could show that, you know, X group of students is doing worse. So that's leading to racism. There's racism in the system. I mean, this goes, there's a lot of stuff in there, but like, okay, when you talked about taking out the spellers, right? So the science of reading and all that. And again, like I've been following this and I'm looking at this stuff and it's, okay, they took out phonics and that's when the literacy rate started going down. Like, oh, look at the whole word, right? And that kind of garbage. Um, I, I remember 
I learned through phonics. I learned how to read through phonics and I learned how to sound out words and I learned, you know, in it, I think it made me a better reader. I think it, you know, so it also with, with mathematics, it's not only that they're taking out the grading, but I think that the curriculum itself has been changed and watered down. So before I was learning the times tables, then I was learning like, you know, if I learned seven times seven is 49, you know, we started that really young. Then the next year, the teacher would be saying, okay, so the reason seven times seven is 49 is because you're, you go to the apple tree seven times. And each time you go there, you take seven apples down and then, you know, then you count it all out. You get 49. Then that's what it means. So, you know, grade one, you're learning your times table, grade two, you're getting an explanation. Whereas here, they're just glossing over everything. So you're not getting that explanation. Like I, again, I did it with like the two plus two equals five garbage. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how long before you'd get fired in a calculus class for saying two plus two equals four, um, but, or, or whatever in a math class, but like the two plus two equals five. I mean, they were going into like, oh, if you do it in mod three, or if you do it in binary, or if you do it in this, and, I, and my explanation for that is like, okay, the word pain in English, if you look at it in French, it's pain. It's the same letters. I'm like, it's, you're using the same characters because it's the same alphabet. It's a Latin alphabet, but it's different sounds. So, you know, if we're doing it in log 10, two plus two is four. That's pain. If you're doing it in log two, two plus two is five and that's pain in French. And that's, it's, I mean, that's what they're doing, but they're not teaching that to the kids. They're just saying, Oh, you can look at it this way. And it's like, that's what I was trying to get. Like, like the curriculum must be watered down for kids. To, like, not just because you're passing everyone, even if you're passing everyone, then you would have had the smarter kids who can actually do this stuff and not need all this extra help. You wouldn't have, like I said, in the States, 75% kids nationally who can't read at grade level. That's not just because of passing everyone. That's because of something else. Sure. Okay. I would say a lot of the methods, I would, you're making a really wise point. It's more than that. I, I would say they're also the methods, which is what you're focusing on. I would say that we're, because we're, um, we don't want to center out. We don't want to have any child, um, put down hurt harm you know we're thinking about the child's emotional safety by having a low mark so what we're doing is we're having individualized work units we're, we're putting kids in groups and they're doing presentations right up through high school most evaluation now is group work in the form of presenting and it's horrible because when one group is presenting for another group our other kids, kids in the class, other kids in the class aren't even all even interested. So we're we're even we don't even believe anymore in the power of having the sage on the stage of having a teacher who knows more doing the teaching. The, the, a lot of this in recent years, people are talking about silly words like inquiry, thinking that well, what kids need to do is they need to be their own learners and learn on their own, which doesn't work with a six-year-old or a ten-year-old, and I would say more mostly with most sixteen-year-olds. <laughs> But, but I just come back to one point that I made that's important to be. There's no way that, that people can make a sensible argument that young people today are going to be any less, are any less astute. Well, let's say a 20-year-old is any less astute or intelligent than a 20-year-old a, tw a generation ago or three generations ago. And I would say in many ways more astute just because we've advanced as society. But it's not because of schools. I think to a certain extent, it's in spite of schools. Because of things we're talking about, the dumbing down, the lowering the bar, the, the, not, the, the, the poor mythologies, methodologies they're using in school, all these things, yes. But I think what's happening is that parents and kids themselves are realizing they have to make up for what the schools are no longer doing. 
So what I said to my own children, if you're one of these classes where you're just learning nothing and it's just nonsense, or once again, you're teaching racism for the 999th day out of the last thousand. And and again, of course, it's all about white racism or how bad men are compared to women and all this kind of stuff. If you're just learning rot in the classroom, have a book with you. And so I've noticed in, in my own classes a number of students who are high level who are bringing in books. And they say, oh, that's sort of interesting. And why are you bringing the novel into my class? And they say to me, well, I get bored in a lot of the classes. So I, I want to have some, I want to be learning. I want to getting better. And, and, and so it's an interesting thing. And I say to them, look, you know, if you feel that there's something in my classroom or I'm saying something you already know, then read your book. But I think there are going to be things that I'm going to be saying in my classroom that you haven't heard before. So I hope at that time you close your book. But to me, what it shows is that the whole system is sort of breaking down. When when children come to the realization that school is not wanting to maximize their potential, I think that's very sad. And and I think every time that you want to create this equal outcome for society, you don't want any kids from, again, X, Y, and Z to not be successful as A, B, and C. I'll name some of the A, B, and C. The most dominant kids in, in British Columbia tend to be Asian. And and because they, generally speaking, they work harder and the families are very supportive of them getting an education. Anyhow, so the goal right now is to not focus on them, is to focus on lifting the other groups up so everybody's the same. And what they're really doing is getting getting all the kids to, to work less hard than they should in school. But the kids, again, and parents are making effort. There are more kids than ever before who are taking tutors, who are going to language classes, who are playing in sports teams, who are doing all sorts of things to develop themselves outside of school to make up for the, the lack of, of challenge that's now within. Yeah, okay, and I, I didn't want to go insinuate that kids were dumber. It's I would say that they're more ignorant because they're they haven't been taught. So there's an ignorance out there. There's also like the fact that we're gonna talk about kids reading and stuff like that. Like I find that these practices will hurt the exceptional children and will hurt the children that require extra help. The ones in the middle will kind of muddle through and go ahead, but they're still they're still gonna get screwed. Like I'm not don't get me wrong. Like they're still not gonna get the education they deserve, but it might be the ones that, you know, would have been really excelling in the old systems that now bring in the books and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, you know, they all have the capacity. I'm not saying that they all have the intelligence or like the, you know, the base level, and, you know, you're always gonna have your peak, you know, you're always gonna have the two ends of the the spectrum, right? But you're the base level is there. It's just, you know, you talk to the methodology and all that. It, it's, it's how it's being done. It's, you know, the whole thing with, you know, don't teach people what to think, teach them how to think. Yes, but again, that how to think has turned into teach them how to look at the world in only one way. You know, so they they only have that critical consciousness. So they see the oppression everywhere. Like, I mean, again, going back to religion, I, I equate the critical consciousness to, uh, you know, I say it's a bizarro Ezekiel story. So whereas, you know, Ezekiel pulls back the veil and he sees paradise, these people are pulling back the veil and they're seeing oppression and hell, right? It's, 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 it's the same. <laughs> like it, to me, it's the same thing, but it's, it's, but yeah, it's, it's so it's that it's not. So they're taking, again, it goes back to Jonathan Rauch's idea of the humanitarian threat to liberal science where they're, you know, they're coming at you with, don't you want to fight racism? Don't you want to fight sexism and all that? And they're taking that and they're weaponizing it. And they're saying, okay, well, this is how we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And they're, 
to fight racism, you have to do it this way. So all the teachers are learning the same thing. So they all come into the schools. They teach it the same way. Then, you know, these are also the same people, you know, who are the college administrators, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like this whole blowout with Stanford University. I just saw a stat today. For 7,000 students and 9,000 or some, or, or I, I can't remember. It was for, something for like 19,000 like students and faculty and things like that. They had 10,000 DEI officers. Like, no, but, but, but this is, but, uh, babe, this, I'm, I'm completely appalled by that. I, I think I don't I think we should get rid of absolutely every single one of them because oh, all they want totally. to do is fixate on the one lens. I don't have any problem. If you want to look back at Canadian society, American society and say people were racist, fine. Well, guess what? Everybody back in time was racist in every part of the world. And that's normal. And every part of the world had slaves and every part of the world had elites that were abusing people who were lower down in the hierarchy. So what have you actually taught? I got, okay, fine. Give me that information. You took 30 seconds. Now, do you really need to do that for my entire education or can we move on to other things? So this is my thing is coming back to what I said, the Dalai Lama talking about truth being a crystal. So you show kids the racism part, that perspective. Yes. You know, certain groups at certain times dominate other groups. Fine. And, and, but what about all the other lenses, all the other sides and facets of the crystal? What about, do you really want to just have kids think and, 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 you know, like, like the project, what is it, 1619 project in the US, where, where you see American history only is, is this, this ugly enterprise? Or do you want to see it in another way? Is, and, or in all ways, in one of the other ways, the United States, it was the first democracy of the modern age it was you know it's it's declaration of um independence was is one of the most most incredible documents in human history uh, like why why can't we make kids proud of who they are and who others are in a society so this woke thing is to me offers of nothing of value i long before wokeism came around i knew society was racist we've been knowing that and talked about that for hundreds of years and and it's just so th this 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 new phenomenon is just to me is nothing but just just an er a, a big arrestation or a big big closure of 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 human advancement in in the bodies that are most responsible for that advancement, which is schools and universities. It offers nothing of value. Censoring books, telling kids that they're this or that based on their birth characters, none of that is any value to them or to society. I think wokeism is garbage. And I and I think majority of people across the Western world deep down believe the same thing. That this yeah. is nothing that's not good for society. But I, like here's my issue with like okay, I agree with everything you said, and that's I don't even have an issue with it. Well, this is what my perspective was. And again, I, you know, I admired Hitchens a lot. Like, uh, uh, and but when he, he, when he did a lot of talks, he talked about um, the play, a man for all seasons. Now I've only seen the celluloid version and, you know, watched uh, Charlton Heston ham it up. Um, <laughs> but that scene where Roper or Thomas Moore asked Roper, are you going to burn down, you know, the laws in England, or are you going to burn down the law to catch the devil? And Roper turns around and said, Oh, I would, burn down every law in England if I could catch the devil. Thomas More's like, what happens when the devil confronts you? Where are you going to hide? And that's my thing. With, when you talk about you know the, the K through 12 and universities and all these institutions and stuff has taken over, it's we've left ourselves defenseless 
from the overcorrection that's going to start happening. So when you know you say Jews have whiteness, and then the Canadian government goes hires this guy who says, "Well, I wasn't talking about killing all Jews; only white supremacist Jews." You know, like, and they hired him to be an anti-racist coach for the CBC. Like, I mean, there's there's a problem there. Like, it's you you have like this stuff has decimated or starting to decimate the institutions that were our sense making, the institutions that protected us. You know. Our civil liberties, like our human rights tribunal, you know, basically like, oh, you can be racist against whites, not a big deal. You know, no, there's no, you can't be racist against whites because, you know, there's no such thing as racism against whites, basically, right? Like, like, like that's nonsense. Like, you know, our immigration department having the definition of white privilege as it doesn't matter your, your skin color or your race, if you uphold ideas or if you have ideas that uphold white supremacy, you have white privilege. And then the trainings they give our foreign service is that things like professional professionalism and punctuality and love of the written word, blah, 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 blah. That's all white supremacy culture. So if you think like that, you have white privilege. Like, I mean, it's, there's a direct line between all this stuff and it's, this is where it's, yeah, I, I agree with you that I don't think that the, the majority of people don't like this, but the majority of the people were quiet for so long because, and they let this corrupt our institutions. Now we like, even in 2020, like especially in the states with the Trump election. Oh, don't worry, vote Biden in, and we can push all this back. It'll be gone in six months. I don't think those people realize how corrupt the institutions had gotten. Now they're talking about okay, we have to form new universities, we have to form new media, we have to form this because now they're realizing okay, we stopped yelling about Trump for you know we were yelling about Trump for four years, we didn't pay attention. Now we stopped yelling about Trump, and now we see how bad things are. Like there's yeah, my yeah, but, and, and just gonna just on that note with, with mention media. So I was fired as a public school teacher. I won two teaching awards. I was a principal at a young age. I've got a lot of good credentials. They fired me in the local newspaper and all the legacy media in Canada, CBC, Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, all the big outlets, CTV, Global. No one even touched my story. Nobody mentioned. Now, I've got a lot of play through some alternative press, including the the, the National Post and, and, and I'm having this opportunity with you and others. So I've got my word of my story has gotten out. But isn't it shocking that most media, most traditional media in Canada, including the only media source for people living in Abbotsford, the community where I was fired, have never once talked about my story. So the, the, you know, the, the, so there's there's some there's so many things that are far beyond Biden and Trump and Democrat and yeah. Republican or anything to the truth or anything. It's just a world that we're living in right now where people are no longer insisting upon things that were basic to, you know, to the enlightenment values that we've lived with for, for hundreds of years now, where, where there's the pursuit of truth, where people don't get burned um, or, or like me um, for, for inquiring, simply inquiring. And in my particular case, everyone, the mob that, that took me down was wrong and they know that, but it doesn't matter because they have all the powers and abusive relationship and and me, the little teacher who was right that you know wasn't murder in residential schools, is 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 still without a vo voice in most media outlets. So it's it's so deep in our society, in all societies, this idea once again is it, uh, of the people, certain people on top are creating um, a system that works better for the people at the top. And it's not a big surprise than for people down below. I don't understand why, again, just here in the short time with you, Abe, why 
I like can Canadians stand by when there's a teacher fired for telling the truth? And and so so to me, it's so much bigger than race and gender and oh, yeah, all yeah. the other things that are part of this. It's it's this idea that we've lost the most basic values of honor society, which honesty and competition and decency and and love and support and second chances and yeah. and and just all the things that I experienced when going through the school system. We're just to become an ugly place where in Putin's Russia, you get 15 years. If you criticize the war in Iran, you show a bit too much hair and you're you could be killed. Like what? What is this? There's so many issues here that are frightening. and We know better. Yeah. But, but, I mean, we're... but like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Okay, the media thing. Again, this is an offshoot of the universities going off the rails like. You know, CRT, intersectionality, gender studies, these started becoming fields in the early 90s. So by the 2000s, you had people coming out with masters and PhDs with that worldview. And then they came into politics, went back into the school administrations, went into media, went into journalism. went in, And so by, by now, by 2023, you know, they're overrun with these. So that's why the media doesn't do it. Like, okay, our media. So I was making lunch today. I turned on my radio, CBC was on. And they were talking, they were having uh, a talk about this new podcast that Barry Weiss has done. It's called The Witch Trials of of uh, J.K. Rowling. It's hosted by Megan Phelps Roper. So Megan left the Westboro Baptist Church. She wrote a whole book about it, you know, her leaving and all that. Um, the, the host and the two guests, the first thing they said was, well... It was, you know, not a question. It was a fact that the tweet that J.K. Rowling had put out about, you know, dress how you want, do whatever you want, love who you want, but women need their own space. Like, that was transphobic. There's Nope, it's transphobic tweet, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Megan Phelps Roper, she was part of a hate group because, you know, she was born into the Westboro Baptist Church. Like, she can't help which family she was born in. She left them. Like, you know, like, uh, and Barry Weiss is a conservative right-wing journalist. That was what the conversation was about. So that's, again, when I say, you know, like the, the whole thing about the Roper, like they've weakened our institutions. This has gone on for so long. I mean, I don't care about the Biden and Trump thing. What I, my point was the people who could have done something, the people who were, you know, outside, okay, Barry Weiss was New York Times, so she was mainstream media, but a lot of other people who were outside the mainstream media could have actually looked at why Trump got elected instead of going, instead of like, you know, Sam Harris, doggedly going after the Russia story and how evil Trump is. If he'd actually looked at why Trump appealed to people, maybe he could have looked at what was going on in the Academy. Maybe he could have looked at what was going on at the CDC so that when the vaccine came out, the CDC recommends you do it by race instead of by, you know, the people who are affected the most. Like, you know, like, that's a huge problem. So that that like my 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 whole thing about Trump, like I, okay, I would have never voted for the guy. My thing in the last two U.S. elections was just vote downstream, don't or down ticket, don't bother with the presidentials because they're idiots. In Canada, I was telling my friends either spoil your ballot or vote for the candidate in your riding who you think best represents you. Don't worry about the party or anything like that. Vote the way you're supposed to vote. Um, and it's just like. But you wasted so much time. And so when you're talking about the media, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've read uh, Bachangar Sargon's book, uh, Bad News. And she goes through how this stuff started coming in. Like when the shift from class to race took over. When how 
the 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 job of journalism was a working class job now it's an elite job because you know they won't even look at you at the new york times unless you got a phd from harper um like, so you know it's 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 all this kind of stuff and it's it's all interrelated so that's why i'm saying like our i call like i you know i said the, the, the k through 12 are madrasas colleges and universities are then the seminaries you know um and when these kids are coming out and going into these fields like they have been since the early 90s they only look at the world through one lens and they only look at it one way and it weakened all our defenses so we don't have a robust media anymore like why is the cbc writing about how questioning whether or not china interfered with our elections is racist instead of actually covering the actual interference in our elections by a foreign government why is yeah, the yeah, focus- and, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's but that's let's say, but what you're saying first of all when you talk about jonathan roach and you talk about barry weiss and you talk about these are people that are near and dear to me just brilliant writers and people and abeta this is why again i'm you know one of your followers and have been for for a long time because i just love the, the your language and i love your intellectual pursuits and and just for me just tying it up for myself again so I had my kids going through through university. They didn't say anything in university. They didn't want to, you know, be marked down. They're they're working right now in a tough field and they don't want to be saying anything that's going to get them in trouble with their employer. But that doesn't mean that they're not alert and critical and and uh, alive to all the injustice, all the idiocy, all the the imposition from above, the, the thought control. They just they're just what's happening right now is we we, there, there's more oppression than ever before. That's what the the the, the anti-racists have done. They brought more racism than ever before. They brought more oppression than ever before. More censorship, less thinking, and less public discourse, and all sorts of things. So there's one value I didn't mention when I just wanted my little rant there. So to me, the most important values in school and in life are things like truth and honesty. But another one that I, I need to say, and I know this is one that's obviously important to you, and you mentioned earlier talking about Fitna, and I mentioned Ian Hirsia Lee, and and that was the, the, to be free. And I and I'd love I don't know how much longer you would like to interview me for, but I have, I have one question that I'd like to ask for you, and it's in the form mm-hmm. of a statement and a question, because I think the the what schools and university are losing not only a sense of of open, you know, the importance of open inquiry and truth and honesty and all that sort of thing. But they've, they've lost a sense of, of, of what freedom means, freedom of expression and conscience, allowing people just to be, allowing a Trump supporter to vote for Trump or not, or somebody else not to vote for Trump. Just let people be and think for themselves and how much better that is to have this multiplicity of viewpoints. That's a, whole, a lot better than living in a society where there's only one viewpoint. So my question to you is, how did you do it? You, your life story fascinates me because you came out of something that a lot of people are threatened with death for doing. Okay. And I, and I want to just admire, say that I've never had an opportunity. We've never chatted before. Mm-hmm. Um, they just wanted to say to you, this is what also is missing. Not just, you know, truth, honesty, freedom, but courage. And I just want to say, obey. That's the one thing that stands out most about you. That your life story is an act of courage. Well, thanks, but okay, I got to I mean, I clear. I mean, I, I'm I've been open and honest about it. But my parents were not strict. My parents, you know, they're pious. Um, you know, my mom prays five times a day. My, my dad would give like the Muslim version of tithing to the mosque. And, like, 
but they were never fundamentalist. Um, one of my earliest memories of Canada, because we moved here when I was six, uh, some people from the mosque came to visit the house, and um, then you know my dad lets them in, go you know, sit down, have some tea, we'll talk, blah blah blah, and then within about you know fifteen minutes or so, my dad's throwing them out of the house, and I was like, my brother and I are shocked because what's the old man doing? These are people from the mosque, like you know you're supposed to treat them with respect. And my dad said, well, these people came here to tell me how to be a better Muslim. And that's nobody's business but mine. And that's between me and my God, no one else. And he said, Joe, your kids, you know, your my mother, you know, like your mother and my, you know, I will teach you about the religion. But when you're an adult, it's between you and your God. And it's no one else's business. I had that. I was always a curious kid. Like, I mean, I just, you know, every kid asks, why, 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 why? But I mean, I would just. I took, I think it took it to extreme and it drove my parents a little nuts, but whatever. Um, and then it was just things like Carl Sagan. Like it was watching the original cosmos. Like I was, you know, we were in Canada. It came out in my 79. I started watching it in that same year uh, or, you know, that same school year learned about uh, the sun going Nova in 5 billion years and then trying to make that reconcile with the day of judgment. And so in, in like, when I left and, you know, yeah, there was some trepidation, there was some fear, whatever, but it, I, I never had that like super strict, you know, fundamentalist upbringing. Like I was not, you know, I didn't have, so it, it didn't, that wasn't that bad. I mean, it was, you know, like I said, it wasn't fun. Like the, the, when, it, when it happened, it was, it was a, a tough, you know, tough few days, tough week, a couple of weeks or whatever. And it, it, like I said, it comes and goes, but. It's for me, it was just, I think it was, I, I'm one of those people I think Pascal described in his wager as those who were so made that they cannot believe. Right. Like, I, th I think I fall in that. Like, it just, you know, I look at the, not, you know, the science and when it, when it comes to like, you know, like with capitals, but like I, the scientific method, you know, the inquiry, um, and again, this comes back to what you were talking about in schools and it just, you know, you might like from Hitchens book um when he, you know what he did this chapter on Islam like he says you know again faith was helping to crush uh free inquiry and the emancipating consequences that it might bring and that's the same thing here the faith that the teachers and the administration and the school boards and the governments are putting into this woke stuff and they're teaching that faith and they're getting rid of that free inquiry because again you if you want to indoctrinate people, you have to get them away from everything else. It's like any cult, you know, you cut your friends off, cut whatever off. So it's the same thing here. It's with me, like, you know, like, like you know, the, thank you for like the courage thing or whatever, but I look back at it now. I mean, whatever the, you know, I'm 53, like we're talking about stuff that happened when I was 16, 17. So, you know, it's, it's a long time ago. So I mean, like, you know, I am looking back at it, but I never thought of it that way. You live in a world where being an apostate. I I live in Montreal. I live in Montreal. No, but I know not Montreal. I don't mean Montreal, but our world. If you were to travel, and people were to find out in other parts of the world. Yeah, that's true. It, 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 so, so to me, um, I don't think there are any people more courageous in this world. This is my own view than an ex-Muslim. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, look, I spent 
close to seven years working in Afghanistan. But granted, I was working on military bases, so I was you know fairly protected. Uh, but yeah, it just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I worried about it and let it you know take over my daily life, I wouldn't do any. I wouldn't be able to get anything done. I'd be so paranoid. It just so it's just like yeah, whatever. This well, is why you inspire me. You realize you inspire me though, because it's people like you that have allowed me, made it a little bit easier for me to do something, which, you know, I've been punished for. And and I was threatened for a number of years, and now I've lost my livelihood, and I'm sure we'll never teach again. And and yet I think it's important to have done. I think it's important to to have faced, um, you know, the, 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 the demons or whatever that are out there. And I love the, the quotation from Dave Rubin in his book about how cancel culture is a a little dog with a, a loud bark. And and I think maybe both of us are experiencing that because we're still around. We're going to, we're going to make it through to the end of our days. Um, but, and still we've been true to our principles, true to who we are, to, to our own thinking and, and our, our own convictions are particularly our enlightenment values. So to me, the two of us have that in common that we're standing up for, for, for yes, for this, these wonderful enlightenment values. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I th- on that, I think that'd be a good note to end on. Um, I have to let you go. So thank you very much, Jim, for coming on. Um, if you want to let know people know where they can get a hold of you, or if you've got, if you're helping push back against your school board, if there's any way they can support you or anything like that, please go ahead and let them know. Well, uh, thank you. What what would I would love, Nate? If you ever you can put out my um, Twitter if you want, which is James underscore Walter zero one. You know what you have, it. but the the um, I think you have my Twitter feed, right? Yeah, I, I've got that. Yeah, yeah, and and um, but I, I just want to, and of course, I would love to be able to put it out. I've got thousands of followers. I'd love to put this interview out. So, if you wouldn't mind sending me a link. Oh yeah, for sure. Once it comes out, I'll send you all yeah. that. And then finally, I just want to say everything I said is sincere. You're doing something that's really hard. You know how many students I've dealt with um, who've come up to me and. And say to me that they're they're not they're not religious, but they they don't have the strength to come out to their parents or to their community, and and they're scared, and and you know just looking at me as as to help them. And I you know I always try and connect them with people who are better suited to do that. But there are an awful lot of young people in our school system, obeyed who are afraid of of their own parents, afraid of their own religion, afraid of. What, whatever it is that's being imposed upon them. So you're an example of somebody who's who's public and speaking out against that your childhood and position, not by your parents. Your father particularly sounds like an incredible guy believing in freedom of conscience, but it's just not an easy thing to do. So I think, uh, you know, I hope that you become ever more public. I, I, I'll stick to my little corner of the internet. If, if it picks up, it picks up. If it doesn't, more famous, I, more famous. <laughs> I, I hope so, because you have a lot of wonderful things to say. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, thank you very much for saying that. It was very kind. And thank you again for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>